Doulas have become an integral part of the obstetrics field. In recent years, a new specialized type of doula, the bereavement doula, has emerged. But what roles and duties do they perform? We're going to talk today about this specialized doula service available to expectant mothers. You are listening to ReachMD, and welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen, board-certified OBGYN. Our guest today is Heidi Faith, a doula who specializes in perinatal psychospiritual therapy and birth support work. She is also the founder, president, and CEO of Still Birthday, a highly specialized doula program. Heidi, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you on as a guest as well, too. I'm very interested in this topic. So, Heidi, let us begin the podcast interview with me asking you to tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself. Could you give a brief overview of how you founded your program and what issues in perinatal care your program helps to address? When I describe my background, I tend to go to the very beginning. I'm just a girl. I was raised in the foster care system. I was raised in orphanages. And when social workers and rotating staff members are your people of influence, they become who you aspire to be. And so I've had a very lifelong journey of experience with staff members entering into a very interpersonal space in my life. And the honor and dignity with which they've done that has been admirable and has shaped who I've become. So it was in 2000 three that I really began an interest in doula work, almost in a preventative social work sort of way, working with girls and women who didn't know what parenting choices they might make. And they needed a friend. They needed someone who would come alongside them and simply roll out the carpet and say, if you turn left, this is what this looks like. And if you turn right, this is what this looks like. And I'll be with you and let's walk that together. In 2003 is when I started that, and in 2011 is when things really shifted. I experienced the death of my baby. Again, just starting from that very personal realm, I wanted to enter into that space with other mothers who were experiencing that as well, and that is how Still Birthday was born. Thank you for sharing that, Heidi. You've written, Heidi, and spoken very frequently about misconceptions around pregnancy loss and bereavement, and I'm assuming that it's coming from a very personal space, especially since you just shared your own personal loss. Can you share some of your thoughts on this, Heidi? Sure, absolutely. I think that we as a culture are really leaning toward the microwave. I think that everything is pretty efficiently packaged. You know, I'm open to hearing your feelings as long as you can tell me in 180 characters or less. That's sort of the culture that we've developed and it's impacting everything. It's impacting friendships and communication and relationships and what those things do to us in a very internal way. I was that way. I mean, when I started working with mothers, I had no idea the depth of what this journey was. I mean, sometimes I'm perceived as having all of those answers from the beginning, but I didn't. It was a growing process. I think our culture tends to lean toward the sort of sanitary approach to bereavement. We're finding that that's very insufficient. That's not going to work. As emotional beings, we demand more than that of ourselves and of each other. So, Yeah, I do agree with you. Specifically, with regards to the bereavement doula, what, in your opinion, is the role of the birth and bereavement doula? 
birth and bereavement is a support skill set that we bring. It's everything birth and it's everything bereavement. It's exciting and it's refreshing to see that stillbirth day is literally changing this paradigm so much that other people are catching on. And so, you know, it's become trendy. The birth and bereavement doula steps into that space to say, this is everything birth. What all does that entail if it's birth in the third trimester and it's third trimester birth and she's got, you know, placenta, postpartum, lochia, breast milk, all of those things. Or maybe it's birth in the first trimester and we're looking at, is this going to be an at-home birth? Is this going to be a spontaneous miscarriage? You know, we could really utilize the assistance of a medically assisted birth where this was previously called a DNC. That sounds like we're semantics and we're using really long ways of describing the same thing, but it's not. It's so much more than that. When a woman says, I have permission to have a free printable birth plan for the birth of my child who happens to be born in the first trimester, there's something very empowering with that. And that's not just a whimsical sort of fancy. It's not just this trendy, fun thing, but it has a psychological impact. It has an emotional impact that in the long run gives her a sense of healing like no other. So it's a very, very important, pivotal opportunity to express the birth and bereavement aspect of care within the medical realm with patients who are experiencing birth in any trimester. Are there any other gaps in the current care delivery paradigms that birth and bereavement doulas are intended to fill or connect with? So when we are learning a mother's obstetrical history, if there was ever, you know, any time those numbers don't line up, you know, to put that pen down and to look at that person and say, how would you rate your emotional pain scale from your obstetrical history? What does this mean to you? How do you define this? For some mothers, a first trimester birth is simply the miscarriage, or it was a heavy period, or it was the prospect of a pregnancy, but it didn't come to fruition. And we've got every right and reason to honor her exactly where she's at. And we tend to look at this and chalk it up to, oh, it's just religious talk, or oh, it's just political talk. But it's not. Religion and politics have no right to be in that birth space. For that mother, she has the right to define that patient. She has the right to define what her previous experiences mean to her. Maybe it's a woman who's pro-choice and she's looking at the prospect of elective abortion. Does she still have a right to grieve? The same as a mother who's giving birth in a third trimester. She had a baby shower. She was expecting a very happy outcome. The two mothers side by side have every rhyme and reason to grieve to the depth of their desire to do so, that our culture has inhibited us and made it seem unsanitary to grieve is a disservice to us collectively as well as individually. You're raising some very valid and poignant points. I'm going to ask you one other question here that I think is significant. What is the anecdotal evidence or any ancillary information that supports the value of inclusion of birth and bereavement doulas on the care team when dealing with like an intrauterine fetal demise or even a newborn death? You know, there's great literature and study and the timing has been right for stillbirth day as, you know, the founder of this sort of revolutionary concept as old as time, but as new as today to say, let's make this count. Where are the gaps? Because there's many. Look at the Minnesota case with all the news articles read, you know, stillborn baby was wrapped in linens and the hospital laundry found the baby wrapped in linens. And it was like this collective gasp, like, oh, who would do such a thing? Oh my goodness, that's horrendous. 
I have a great regard for the staff members who enter into a space as clinicians and do everything they can to hold the person as well as they can. I would not suppose to come in with an arrogance of let me instruct you, but rather let me mentor you. But second to that is just as important. And that is actually to encourage because what I saw when that scene happened was a lot of really great things. That hospital did really well that they went with the title of the stillborn baby. When the baby was 22 weeks gestation, there was a strategic move there to identify this 22 week gestation baby as the stillborn rather than a miscarriage. That was a very wonderful decision. That the baby was diapered. Oh my goodness, our families, we want to diaper our babies. And, you know, the attack against this paradigm that opening up this space is so important, that attack comes from everywhere. It comes from levels of misconception everywhere. It can come from within the spouses themselves. The grief story is hard between parents. And often that diapering scene is a game changer for the couple. I mean, when I'm in that birth space, we as professionals familiar with obstetrics have come to know that the lithotomy position, the dorsal recumbent position is not acceptable for a woman giving birth. So even if she is receiving an epidural, we don't keep her flat on her back. We do some sort of a sims turning over to the left, some sort of squat, even if it's in the bed, some kind of a position that mirrors that sort of ancient picture of that woman really getting down on her knees and really lowering down and grunting and experiencing the birth of her baby in that sort of position. That's such a good picture for everyone else who's entering into that space because that is what we need to do in grief also. We need to get down. We need to get low and close to it in this culture that's says, you can just try again with our hand kind of waving at the grief story, at the tears. We kind of shoo-shoo things away. This woman is, you know, getting down and entering into that space to give birth to her baby. And that's the entire grief story. So when we're looking at the timing where the family has received the physical form of their baby and they're looking for identifying factors that they can recall in a loving way, maybe it's simply one finger or maybe it's simply one toenail or, you know, one tiny curl of hair. They're looking to identify with the personhood of their baby so that they can look at their grief story in a very healing sort of way. Sometimes it's the diapering. It's, wow, we are putting a diaper on our baby. It's a very, very symbolic, it's a very healing mechanism that they both get to receive. One of the most damaging aspects of the grief story is guilt. The guilt itself can plague both parents. It can plague the mother enormously. She will always go back and play back. What did I do in my pregnancy? Did I pump gas? Did I eat a bologna sandwich? What did I do? Because we all want some sort of a claiming of a victory. We want to put some bad guy on the stand and wave our finger at him and say, you're the guy who did this to me. Mothers, we're willing to do that to ourselves simply for the honor of our children. And when we enter into that space and provide those options as secondary as they are to the life of their baby, those options are very, very powerful. Do you want to walk? Do you want to get out of your bed? Do you want more than ice chips? Do you want time to look at the physical form of your baby? How can we navigate that well? How can we steward this journey for you in a way that bridges the gap? Because 
oftentimes if we only focus on birth as a professional and then we call in the professionals who only cater to the death side of the story, bereavement, the mortician, the social worker, that sort of thing, then either people are repeating themselves, which is fine, but the secondary aspect of that is when there's the gaps involved, when we didn't realize that the next person wasn't going to talk about Lokia or the next person isn't going to talk about how do you plan a funeral when you're recovering from a cesarean birth? Do you want to be present for that funeral? How do we navigate the time frame for that? That's what our doulas do. We, we cover all of that. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, and I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen. And it is my sincere pleasure to be speaking with Heidi Faith, bereavement doula and founder, president and CEO of Still Birthday. Heidi, in the first half of this interview, you provided valuable information to our listening audience on the misconceptions of pregnancy loss and bereavement and on doulas who specialize in providing services to such clients. What's the response? And I'm particularly interested in your response to this question, but what has been the response among various stakeholders of healthcare organizations such as the OBGYN department staff, like myself, when birth and bereavement doulas are brought in? The response depends on the paradigm through which those professionals are looking. I think that Stillbirth Day has become almost a household name. It's become a catchphrase. It's become a hashtag. It's the mother at her 20-week gestation ultrasound. She goes back on Facebook and she says, hey, everybody, we just found out that we're having a boy, but there's no heartbeat. And then it's her loved ones who are connected enough to be emotionally impacted by that report, but also have enough wherewithal where the parents might not, that they get online and they start saying, what resources can we provide for our loved one? And then the stillbirth day doula is then introduced into the birth story via the family themselves or increasing in popularity is the stillbirth day doula becoming invited into the birth space from the healthcare professionals themselves. I know that that can be a tricky slope. I know that there's some red tape involved with that. So the still birthday doula is an independent contractor. We have incredible documentation that we can present to the hospital that allows them to present a release form to the family and say, this is a resource we have for you. We don't know if we'll have all the answers. We're very qualified. We're very professional, but we don't want you to feel alone. You're a village. You're a part of a community who's experiencing this also. And this person has a unique skill set, and we would love to invite this person to come into this birth space if you're okay with that. When that happens, the response is just phenomenal. The family wants support. They want to know that they're not alone. Really what happens is the family receives the benefit of that. 10 times out of 10, there's going to be a positive report from a still birthday doula being included in the care team. That comes from the family themselves because we have such a long-term breadth of care. We support in that immediate moment, but we've been known to come to funeral homes to be a participant in farewell ceremonies, whatever those might be to go through the six-week postpartum, long-term journey, three months down the road when Father's Day comes on the calendar or six months down the road when it's Christmas time. It's our doulas who build that relationship with those families. But from the healthcare team, there is just a great release to know, okay, we called her in. We called in the pro. We called in someone who is very experienced, very highly trained in the realm of finding the gaps where birth and bereavement meet. It's just phenomenal. Heidi, how can the Still Birthday program and other similar programs that provide birth and bereavement doulas, how can they help bridge the gap between medical professionals and their patients? 
our doula program is very, very transparent. It's accessible online. It reaches everybody. Anyone from the hospital staff can look to see who their local stillbirth day doulas are, send them an email, give them a phone call and say, I would love to visit with you. Come sit at our next obstetrics meeting, sit at the round table and visit with us and tell us who you are. Tell us what you're about. Tell us how you got into this. What do you have to offer? And start a dialogue there so that doula then becomes invited. I'm a mom. I was in that space. I just want to give everything I can possibly give. For example, that Minnesota case, what can we do better was their big question, but what did we do right is what I want to answer. They did an amazing thing with diapering their baby, with the extended hold in the morgue. There are incredible skill sets that hospitals have that sometimes they just need to be encouraged. You are doing good things, and it can be uncomfortable to know where to lean into to get that encouragement, and that's what we want to offer as well. Heidi, I think this particular question is very important. What can medical professionals just like myself, board-certified OBGYNs, do to also help bridge this gap that you have brought to our attention? We end up talking about bereavement after the fact when sometimes there are appropriate avenues to address bereavement before it becomes the topic at hand. It can be when a woman finds out that she's pregnant, when she's confirming a pregnancy test, are there areas of bereavement that could be touched in that? When a woman goes in for an ultrasound, are there areas of gap there? birthday wants to offer those resources very broadly, very publicly, very freely, but sometimes it's the unique experiences. It's the one that says, this one has this added addition to it that makes it a little bit more unique or a little bit closer to home or just something that now I feel like I need to process this. When you went through all of your nursing school and you, you know, processed through all of this, there wasn't this armor of, okay, I really want to love this mom because this is a happy story, but how do I handle when it's not a happy story? How do we bridge these gaps? And the answer to that is that there's gaps everywhere. You never know when you're going to step into an impossibly dark space that mother identifies with or you identify with as that provider. Maybe you didn't recognize, you didn't wake up that morning thinking that you were going to hear this story that was going to set you in tears and now you don't know how to bounce back from that. You've got every right to enter into that space. And so that's what Still Birthday does. It says, you know what, I know that you've got the red flags up about going into that grief space. We say, let's go into this and we've got strengths and resources and skills to navigate this in a healthy way that we don't get stuck here, but we probably need to come here and just park for a couple minutes. And then we'll be able to get out and be a lot more refreshed, a lot more focused, a lot more healthy. I do agree with you. I think that my medical school training and residency training in obstetrics and gynecology did not sufficiently train me on how to deal with death and demise and the emotional aspects of it. So I do wholeheartedly agree with you that there's a gap and these programs are very much needed. So in the last remaining moments of this wonderful interview, looking forward, Heidi, what do you think the next steps will be for bringing this specialized care service that is so well needed into the medical community? Similar to stillbirth day itself, because every bereaved mother enters into that space uniquely different, though a lot of the aspects are universal in nature. Stillbirth day is structured in such a way that it's like a labyrinth. You can jump in at any given point and follow a pathway to get the resources and answers that you want. And it's the same way with a medical professional saying, this is who I am and where I am today. How do I incorporate this a little bit differently into my skill set? 
So you can register yourself for the Stillbirth Day Birth and Bereavement Doula Certification Program. We've got 35 nursing contact hours for qualified individuals who complete the program. We also have a 5.25 nursing contact hours day training where we can come to your building and say, let's have a few hours together and let's just demonstrate not just the tangible skill set of, okay, so you take a lock of baby's hair and you put it in this tiny baggie and then you do this, but the depth of that, why is this important? That's really what we want to get to is the depth of that interpersonal dialogue that's happening when you invite a family to bathe their baby who isn't alive. It's not just washing dirt but it's a very intentional, deliberate, healing, psychologically profound experience that you're entering into with them. Why is that important? And then, okay, so then you've done that. Is there a left-hand turn? And now there's a gap in your life because you did, you've done that. Was that difficult? Was that traumatizing? Was that painful? Now let's unpack that. Every step of the way, wherever there might be a gap at, we can fill that. Many thanks to Heidi Faith for providing our ReachMD listening audience education on bereavement doula programs that are so much needed within the United States. Heidi, thank you so much for your education, your insight today. Thank you again very much for having me. This was really such an honor. I am your host, Dr. Renee Allen. To download this podcast and others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com. We encourage you to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you for listening to ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.